Hello, and welcome to Biblical Archaeology Today. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Waldron. I am so thankful you're here. I'm glad to be your host. We're going to be looking and to see if there's any contradictions in the biblical account of John's baptism of Jesus. Because with the historicity and archaeology of the manuscript evidence, you know, if there's direct contradictions, that would really hurt the cause for biblical archaeology. But let's dive in. We're on page 148 of a long-time textbook of mine, Popular Handbook of Archaeology in the Bible by Holden and Geisler, Discoveries that Confirm the Reliability of Scripture, forward by another person. I really enjoy a lot of his information, Walt Kaiser. So let's get started. Hey, thanks for being here. If this is your first time, we appreciate it. Let's dive in. The first recorded event in Jesus' adult life was his baptism by John, accompanied by the testimony of his father and the spirit. That's right, one and the same. Ehrman claims that the reporting of the history remains riddled with difficulty due to conflicting accounts. By this, he means variations in the wording that the father father utters in response to Jesus' baptism. For example, Matthew's account has, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He was in Jesus. Whereas Luke's account, probably, depending on the manuscript decision one makes, cites Psalm 2-7, you're my son, today I have begotten you. Problem surfaces here in Ehrman's analysis that we find especially acute elsewhere as well. To begin with, it reveals lack of knowledge of the common practice an ancient history of just offering a paraphrase of what was said. Thucycides, Herodotus, Josephus, Xenophon, and the writer of 1 Maccabees all did this, and apparently so did the gospel writers. We do not suppose Ermond would want to say that the history these authors record, even in parallel material, there remain slight differences, such as in the comparisons of Josephus and 1 Maccabees, is to be dismissed because of such subtle differences. This kind of approach will result in a type of agnosticism toward ancient history, as we've emphasized before. Now, I do want to just say, too, it's possible that God the Father spoke a bunch there, and it was just recorded what they wanted recorded. They didn't record everything. They didn't say, and that's all he said. And there's a lot of things like that in the Bible and ancient history. It also confuses the issue to enforce the kind of modernistic standard upon the Gospels that Ehrman does, claiming that the accounts must have the exact words that were spoken. This cannot be true at a theoretical level, since most of these dialogues likely took place in Aramaic, and so the Gospel authors would have had to translate them into Greek. That's another thing I was going to say is maybe all three of the Gospels that record it, or actually four, um, were written in various languages, if there's any nuances there. Further practices of what's known as mimesis, imitation of others on the same historical topic, many contexts demand unique transmission of historical material. So a different translation from the Aramaic, or perhaps in Luke's case, a transmission of a different piece of oral tradition, would have been preferred. Ehrman also requires too much of the text. He assumes without argument that unless the text is what scholars called ipsima verba, in the exact words of Jesus, then it can be neither without error nor historical. 
However, many scholars, both liberal and conservative, hold to the idea the Gospels merely convey ipsima vox with the same meaning or voice of Jesus, or in this case, uh, the voice from heaven. The text can inherently communicate the voice, that is, the basic meaning of the Father's statement without being forced to give the exact wording of the statement in all four accounts. Inerrancy requires only the former, not the latter. Ehrman knows that this is reasonable explanation offered by scholars for assessing these problems, but he writes as though no solution has ever been proposed. This is problematic, and it leaves readers with the impression that inerrancy, or even accuracy, requires an unduly stringent ipsuma verba interpretation of the scriptures. This, to say the least, severely represents, misrepresents the discussion. But again, I'm not so much against ipsum verba because, you know, Jesus talks about jots, tittles being preserved and the very words being preserved and Paul fighting for letters and things in Galatians. It's just, there's so many, you know, other explanations. Again, I think the most... Uh, rational one is who knows everything that was said besides God and John the Baptist but who knows everything that was said at Jesus' baptism could have been more than one thing and end of story also the manuscript tradition that he says that may be preferred you know if you go with the traditional manuscript uh, decision in the majority text, then that's eliminated as well. And then you've got maybe, as he rightly mentions, maybe it was spoken in Aramaic, Greek, Hebrew, we don't know, and then having to be translated into another language. So that may allow for variations also. But it doesn't bring error into the text, only if somebody's just highly looking for it. And so the veracity of Scripture stands and biblical archaeology stands with it. Hey, we're so thankful you're here. We just want to say God bless you. You may want to make a little journal or notebook of things you find interesting every day because it won't take long. You'll have a power-packed apologetics library, evidentiary library. I do ask you to continue to pray for us and share with your friends and family, church family, Sunday school teachers, college groups, whoever you think might enjoy it. Love to have everybody want the world to know the Bible's true. Continue to pray for us and subscribe, please. And listen to our playlist as well. We've got several hundred podcasts. Love for you to listen and they're made available to you. Homeschoolers can really benefit from this as well. Shout out to IBC Indiana Bible College. Love them very much. Pastor Carson doing a great job up there. And so, Brother Kilman as well, Brother Herbs, Brother Gay, and Sister Mast, so many, Brother Brown. But God bless you. Hey, thanks so much for being with us. And uh, we'll talk with you later. Please, again, leave five-star review and subscribe. Bye-bye.